we consume and share news to date is largely rooted in social media. Oh, it's a reason why we decided it is important to look at what's being discussed online from the hottest issues to trends for our daily social media minute. We're joined by Yerika. Good morning. Good morning. It is a Wednesday. Yes. Thoughts? Thoughts? <laughs> Lena and I was just joking before yeah. the on-air signal uh, went on. We're just joking that we should all move to Quito. Uh, Ecuador. <laughs> Manageable temperatures. Manageable temperatures. Pleasant trees. It, it is tough. You know, I hate to blame the weather for everything unpleasant in my life, yeah. but I'm going to when it's this humid and hot so early on. Yeah. Um, I always tell my students, you know, the weather is just the weather. Don't mm. make that become your attitude. Uh, but <laughs> I should probably... Uh, practice what I preach. Honestly, who yeah. says adults that came before us led by example? It doesn't yeah. always say, not what we do. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's jump into yep. our social media minute coverage. As always, some of the buzzwords causing up a really important conversation, it turns out, even if you're not keeping up with what's happening in the mathematics yeah. field. His name is everywhere. So maybe it's about talking about June Ha. Yeah, you talked about him in Briefly. the headline section, right? Yeah. Um, everyone's talking about him. Was so excited to see the news yesterday. Um, you know, we we covered the fact that uh, he was the first Korean to win a Fields Medal. Mm. Um, but now, you know, everyone is uh, familiar with who he is, how brilliant he is, sure. his humble nature. I dug a little bit deeper, which yeah. wasn't that difficult because there's so many interviews. <laughs> you know, so I wanted to talk a little bit about who this guy is because you don't see the process, do you? A headline just doesn't do it justice. No. He won this prestigious prize compared to a Nobel Prize just makes us think, wow. And then what? Because there's an entire process and a story behind the human uh, who who I'm sure faces own obstacles along the way. I mean, it's actually really surprising finding bits and pieces of these interviews saying that at one point, he didn't really think he (laughs) could thrive in mathematics. He had no desire (laughs) to be a mathematician. (laughs) It's simple as that. In fact, he was completely indifferent to the subject. He dropped out of high school to become a poet, of all things. I mean, of all professions. I mean, mathematics, literature, poetry. In the simplest spectrum, we don't really group them into one. No. And then we go back to the Renaissance and we go back to where things overlap. And I have friends who pursue mathematics as they're in their careers Uh too. We're not friends anymore. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but you know they do say, and in some sense, math is poetic and beautiful. Totally. And I can't level with that, but I'll take their word for it. Yeah. Well, anyways, that poetic detour okay. has since proved crucial to his breakthroughs. Okay. Artistry, according to his colleagues, is evident in the way he uncovers those just right objects at the center of his work. Okay. And in the way he seeks a deeper significance in everything he does. According to one of his colleagues, he makes things beautiful. See, I, yeah. I'm telling you, this is how mathematicians describe a yes. beautiful problem-solving experience. Exactly. And uh, when they found out that he became he came to mathematics after poetry, they thought, okay, this makes sense to me. All right. Thoughts, folks. <laughs> do share, because we're trying to better understand yeah. this entire story. I, I do wonder... What does a typical day in the life of a Fields Medal recipient actually look like? You know, when I when I came across this news, I immediately thought of the movie um, A Beautiful Mind. Uh. <laughs> 
Russell Crowe. Yeah. On any given day, uh, Ho does about three hours of focused work. Okay. He might think about a math problem or prepare a lecture. He prepares lecture for a classroom of uh, students. Because he or does uh, teach at Princeton, right? Yes, he okay. does. Or okay. he might schedule a doctor's appointment for his two sons. Uh, life. He says he's exhausted <laughs> because what he does, it, it requires so much focus. It yeah. takes away a lot of his energy, he says. Three hours of focus work at this level. I can't even comprehend what yep. that is. I'm not going to pretend like I understand, but he's balancing a lot of different roles in his life. He's also a father. He mentions That's that right. in the mix. It's not like he can you know, drop his father duties because no. he's, <laughs> I don't know, a feels recipient. Yeah. Um, he, he finds that forcing himself to do something mm. or defining a specific goal, even for something he enjoys, it never works. Uh, it's particularly difficult for him, he says, to move his attention from one thing to another. Oh. And this is what he said. And I found it weirdly comforting. He said, I think intention and willpower are highly overrated. You rarely achieve anything with those things. Uh, that, <laughs> this is... I feel like yep. it goes against the DNA of South Korea's uh, education sector, work sector, and this whole power yes. through mantra. Yep. Um, but maybe South Korea is not the only one guilty of it. I, I think uh, the States is extremely right. similar, for instance. Uh, oh, wow. Can I use that as an excuse yeah. when I really cannot work up the you willpower totally can, to do something? I, I think intention and willpower are highly overrated. Let's go home, York. Yeah. <laughs> you <laughs> Just, know, this has been the case, though, for him since he was very young. School was excruciating for him. He loved to learn, but he couldn't focus or absorb anything in a classroom setting. Uh, instead, he preferred to read on his own, to okay. explore on his own. Uh, in elementary school, for example, he devoured all 10 volumes of an encyclopedia about living things. Ah. He was obsessed with exploring a mountain near his family's <laughs> apartment. Um, yeah, so, you know, he wasn't the typical model student that we might expect. No, in fact, he's quite the opposite. Yeah. But maybe that's what it's, it takes to really make a big difference or right. a dent in an entire field. He was born in California to parents who were scholars. Yes. But like you said, despite his background, that may have geared him towards maybe all the right resources to pursue higher education. Yeah. There were chapters of his life where he just could not I don't know, sit down and just focus yeah. on his school materials. He, he avoided math at all costs. Um, so when he was 16 years old and in the middle of his first year in high school, uh -huh. he decided to drop out to write poetry. His plan at the time was to complete his masterpiece in two years before he would leave to attend university. Okay. Obviously, that plan didn't work out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and when he eventually did uh, enter Seoul National University, he said he felt lost. He mm -hmm. felt completely lost for six years. He oh, was wow. at the school and he briefly flirted with the idea of being a science writer. At one point, he decided to major in astronomy and physics. But he was one of those students who frequently sick skipped classes. At SNU? Yeah, okay. and he had to retake several courses. Okay. Again, it kind of brings comfort <laughs> to me in the fact that he had no idea what he wanted to do at that age. I mean, haven't we all been there? I, I think it was Michelle Obama who said, it's the most useless question to ask children yeah. and teenagers. What do you want to be when you grow up? Because... It's not like there is one destination. Right. You get there and it's over. Especially no longer in this day and age. Absolutely not. I right. mean, I mean, I'm not encouraging a certain behavior mm -hmm. to each their own. However, it does seem like we're switching careers more yeah. frequently than ever before in history, and it allows that to happen pretty naturally and seamlessly. Yeah. You're right. The story really 
weirdly brings me comfort uh-huh. and I have nothing in common with this guy besides right. that I skipped classes <laughs> I wanted to pursue poetry <laughs> things like that uh, when did he then discover his love of math his brilliance in math after all because there should be a turning point yeah, in the story was. Um, and it was uh, you know a Japanese mathematician his uh, former professor by mm-hmm. the name of Heisuke Hironaka who won the Fields Medal in 1970 <sighs> Ha took his class in his sixth year of university, and for the first time, he says he witnessed research mathematics unfolding in real time. And he says he loved the act of trying to do something no one really knew how to do and the freedom that came with not knowing. You know, and his his former tutor, math tutor, uh-huh. uh, when he was in high school, uh, has said that you know this was a kid at the time he wasn't good at mathematics in the typical sense where yeah. he solved as many problems in a given amount of time. Right. But he loved to ask questions. He was a bit of an oddball. Oh, you know, I love that. Yeah, and he wanted to know why something was the way it was. Oh, yeah. I, as, as a tutor, I'm not quite sure how that would fare for me because you're hired to <laughs> right. usually help these students excel in test taking. Right. And if the scores don't prove otherwise, I mean, you're not yeah. doing your job as a tutor. However, after all these years, <laughs> I feel like that interviewing that tutor is also a really yeah. interesting angle, right? Yeah. He asked per, maybe perhaps all the right questions yep. to get where he is. A Fields Medal recipient, June Hollies and gentlemen. <laughs> All right, let's move on to our second let's buzzword of the day. Price-conscious consumers flocking to fresh fruit sales amid a 24-year high inflation. That's yeah. where we stand. You know, uh, office workers and just consumers in general, they cannot get enough of lunch boxes yeah. and other processed fresh food items that are about to expire because more and more retail stores are offering these items close to expiring at discounted prices amid the soaring inflation. And it was always a savvy way to get things done yeah, because it's exactly. not like it, it went bad. However, it, more people are seeking yeah. it. Okay, okay. So high prices, we got to save where yeah. we can. Some companies support employee meals, but some don't. And that's the, the discrepancy makes it difficult yeah. for some workers, I suppose. Daily food costs can be a, a significant financial burden for workers who don't have options like, I don't know, fancy cafeteria. Exactly. And uh, many restaurants have been forced to raise the prices mm. because they have been hit by the soaring prices of raw ingredients. Yeah. including grains and fresh produce. Fruit and fresh vegetables are yeah. so expensive. So for a regular consumer or office workers, it's expensive to yeah. purchase these products at supermarkets. But uh, if they're sold for up to 60% cheaper, mm. then that is a very attractive option. Isn't that a win-win situation? Because ideally, as someone who's selling these yep. uh, close to ex- expired lunch boxes, for example, like they would want to sell it, right? Exactly. Okay. Uh, for convenience stores, they can reduce the cost of inventory disposal. That's what consumers, <laughs> yeah, can buy the products for less money. And the uh, sales of these discounted products doubled mm. in the month of May compared mm. to January. Toshirak and sandwiches are also popular items at these retail stores and e-commerce sites as well. Demand for ugly produce is also uh, on the rise as well. Remember when there was like an over, I don't know why, but an overproduction of potatoes, for example, yeah. in the country. And uh, One Picture One mm-hmm. came about and said, let's sell these ugly potatoes as a well-branded. Item yeah. and it's sold because it tastes 
just as good, guys. Mm-hmm. And I guess we get it. And now there's a demand for it. And, you know, the, the latest food crisis is yeah. making me realize we really have to need to come up with creative ways to make food more sustainable. I bought a little bit of a pot yeah. of herbs. Now, if I can keep it alive, it would be a wonderful <laughs> story to the end. All right. Uh, I do want to get to this story. Uh-huh. So let's. Yuri and Yizang Sun's brand new cafe had a pretty rocky opening. Yeah. Criticism, conversation. I mean, this about is Ihori and Lee Sung-soon we're talking yeah, about. Yeah, everything they touch kind of does become a conversation yeah. starter. Uh, however, their new cafe has proven to be a little bit too popular among tourists. Uh, the cafe caused quite a commotion. Mm-hmm. And just one day after the cafe officially opened, the couple took to uh, the cafe's official Instagram to apologize mm-hmm. and to announce uh, operations adjustments, mm-hmm. which is that uh, it's a strictly reservation-only system. I so, right, yeah. right. Because there has been like a long queue outside and, you know, these are tourists. They're excited. And this is a quiet neighborhood, yes. I think, Lee Sang-soon's show specifically. Um, and it, I'm, I'm highlighting Lee Sang-soon because this is not even Iori's pet project. Mm-hmm. She just happens to be a supportive wife yes. in this case. So she showed up on the first day of its opening. Uh, it attracted a crowd. You get the gist of it. Her star power is undying. Uh, yeah. However, I mean, it, it, it was a, it was, it's a private setting, right? I yeah, mean, I and mean, people they, are going about their daily lives. Yeah, and yeah. Lo and behold, where did all these people come from? Right. Yes. So local know? residents have been disgruntled by the commotion caused yes. by the opening of the Star Couple's new business venture. That's where the conversation begins. And some people, including one particular politician, yeah. asked, you know, do, do they really need to own a cafe right <sighs> here? They have so many competitors who are really struggling with their business right, right now. You know, that's a fair point. Yeah. Uh, this is why conversation is still ongoing. Mm-hmm. But isn't also fair to ask, is that's that's their that's their thing. I mean, a free market. I mean, you're allowed to open yeah. up cafes after getting all yes. the right licenses. However, right. you can see why the commotion is here to stay. I, I guess the answer to it, uh, Yi Sun said, they are going to keep a cafe open yep. on a reservation based system, right. but he's not going to be there as frequently as had he no. hoped for. No. Yeah, and neither is Yi No. Hopefully that should deter the tourists in line. <laughs> 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 Thank you so much, Erica, for a fun conversation. We'll see Have you a tomorrow. Great day. If you're listening to our program using the podcast service, just a reminder that we do go live Monday through Friday, 7 a.m. Korea Standard Time. So tune in and help us make the show more informative by giving us your input. See you bright and early on Good Morning Seoul.